0: Hello and welcome to the Michael podcast. We are having a holiday special today where we're gonna watch Jurassic Park together and see just how the science has moved on in the past 30 years, because Jurassic Park was released in 1993. And if you cast your mind back to to those days, they had uh, a little bit on DNA and how they made the dinosaurs. So we're just gonna watch it and see how it gets on. So uh, Nabil is gonna set the scene for us here now. But uh, how did I get here? Uh, uh, Well, let me show you.
1: Okay, so we're looking at the first clip where they are going on the little sort of interactive tour of of Jurassic Park. And you've got this wonderful, (laughs) this very Disneyland, like, amusement park set up. And they've got Richard Richard Attenborough. David Attenborough's brother yep. as, as John Hammond, the the Eccentric Park uh, developer. Good afternoon, John.
0: DNA from what source? Where do you get a hundred million-year-old dinosaur plot? <laughs> Shh. What? What? Oh, but, Mr. DLA, where did you come from?
1: And... This sort of implies he's going to be there doing this every single tour. <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> it's a work in progress, right? Whatever. It's just a prototype. Dedication. Yeah. So at this point, um, you can see um, Hammond's got his stick with the ball of amber, and inside the amber is a mosquito. Now, there is a scientific precedent for that. At the time, I think there was some publications where this could be done, and we'll have it in the others what do you guys think
0: absolutely i mean what i heard from trivia is that actually the mosquitoes are clearly male in the amber when they claimed that uh, all the uh, animals are female so something's gonna stray there but uh, tell us more Nabil.
1: yeah so i think um michael uh, crichton when he wrote the book so this is based on the book by Mark Crichton, like jurassic park mm-hmm. and uh, there were some publications about getting DNA, perhaps ancient DNA, out of mosquitoes entrapped in amber. So on the basis of that, what if it could be dinosaurs? That's the scientific premise of the film that you could, what if we could do that, what would happen kind of thing. I mean, that's about where the science starts and stops as far as the film concerned. And then after that point, it turns into a a kind of slash of flick horror movie with these dinosaurs chasing after you. Lee, you have anything to pop
2: in? Yeah, I was, I was thinking, like, just mentioning that with ancient DNA, um, people may or may not know this. It's just, like, not the best quality of DNA to work with. So I, I appreciate that they talked about, like, how difficult it was to work with. They said that there are, are gaps in it or something. How, how, whatever their language was with it, there are gaps of, in, the, in the DNA. And I appreciate that reflects reality that when you are trying to play with ancient DNA it's really chopped up.
1: Yeah. In fact, uh, there are both theoretical papers and then practical papers that I've done uh, trying to look at ancient DNA and pull out and as much of genomic material as possible for a number of different organisms. And uh, what was known then by scientists, and I think they made a point. The people, the scientists involved, like on you know, whether who are adjacent, who are adjacent to this type of work at the time, like were very quick to point out, this is probably not something you could actually ever do, because DNA degrades over time. And it would not last 65 million years. So there, you're no way.
0: not going, we're not going to have Jurassic Park anytime soon. I'm really, really disappointed, actually.
1: Yeah, so you, you can't, and that was known even then. So 30 years ago, scientists would have said, no, this is, it's not, pop- you, I mean, I think the pa- there was one paper that came out in, I don't know if it was coincidence or someone did it deliberately, but there was a paper that came out on the day Jurassic Park released, which was describing how they, uh, pulled out intact DNA, I think it was 16s from the mosquito in amber and all of that for some insect, for weevil, I think, and they dated that to some whatever tens of whatever millions and millions of years ago. But that's a far cry from saying we're going to get an entire genome. That that's a that's a large ask. And so yeah. at the time, and even now, that's not really like a thing that you're going to do. I don't, yeah, that's just not going to
2: happen. So I thought I thought of one more thing too. So while I was looking at this scene, I'm not sure if we got to this part of the video actually now, but, but this made me go into the huge rabbit hole too, because they mentioned that there are 3 billion instructions in this code. And I was like, huh, that's exactly the same size as a human genome. Are yeah, they I think, just confusing yeah, it? And...
1: I think it's a flub by the, because for me, when I was watching this back and watching the whole film, it was really clear that someone had told them that a genome is 3 billion base pairs in size. And when they said that they meant a human genome, but in writing this, the, the screenwriter, or whatever, that just sort of cut that bit for probably for pacing. I mean, if you're going to go there and give all the caveats, like, oh, a normal human genome, like a human genome is 3 billion. It's like, it's sort of, Whatever. So they've cut yeah. like a lot of this, um, those numbers. So yeah, 3 billion is like a human genome, right?
2: Yeah. Um, so I started the, going down um, this huge rabbit hole. So I was like, three gigabases, three gigabases. Sorry. Uh, so I was like, I started like looking it up on NCBI taxonomy, like, and I found that there's actually an entry in NCBI taxonomy for dinosaurs. And I started going through oh, this wow. huge rabbit hole and I was I got really excited like maybe someone actually did this and I didn't pay attention and mm-hmm. no like the only the only genomes under dinosaur are birds they've they've actually categorized you know all the bird genomes under under the taxon dinosaur wow okay
0: where where um, does sasquatch uh, fit in <laughs> i think that's
1: uh I think I had, I also was curious about it when you brought that up, and I had to dig around. And I think um, reptiles or amphibians are like one to three gigabases. They're a bit smaller than human. Could be wrong. Obviously, there's going to be differences, exceptions, and so on. But uh, yeah, but still, it's like a lot of genetic material to to sequence to to kind of do this. So even at the time, this was not going to be possible. People said it wasn't possible, and that hasn't changed. So, yeah, you can't do dinosaur-level uh, genomes. We might talk about some other efforts that are trying to do more uh, recent organisms in a bit. But, yeah, let's get back to the clip.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So Mr. DNA, this really like really great design character. Don't use it for anything. You should have borrowed it. So, so it sort of implies that it's 3 billion bases for, for the dinosaur, because he said 3 billion bases and the immediately short dinosaur picture, but I think they mean a human. So this idea is based in some element of fact at the time. The fact that uh, you would have a mosquito that draws blood and it would be trapped in sap that does happen and you could extract something viable out of it. So I don't think... Yeah, so that that's a viable viable thing of it. There, there are obviously a lot of problems with extracting DNA from material like this. Uh, I love how the scientist is happily doing this without any eye protection, but whatever, because <laughs> there'd be a stupid <laughs> amount of safety. dust being kicked up. <laughs> I mean, it's like there's so much of the film where you just go, "That's just not realistic," but then it wouldn't look good on film. So, what are you going to do? I mean, his- I can't imagine uh, Jeff Goldblum as the mathematician, like star uh, my- mathematician. What's that about? But why do they, they have a like mathematician here, on it? this trip? Yeah. Because it's like chaos theory. I don't know why. Let's talk about let's, let's touch on that. So he's a he's a chaotician. His his field of research is chaos theory. So that's why he's yeah. there. It's like this um, makes sense. It none of the to be honest, when you go and when I like, so you don't get a scene with with uh, Ian. It's the name Ian Malcolm, Doctor Malcolm, where you, where like Jeff Goldblum's character. You don't get a scene where they explain why he's there. He's just there. He seems to have been the lawyer's pick, the, the bloodsucking blood sucking lawyer's pick, as far <laughs> as the script's concerned, of of someone to bring along. I don't know why. It's not really explained. But then the pre the pretense for everybody is really, really shaky when you think about it. So the grandchildren are there for pulling at the heartstrings, I suppose. I don't know. I, d- I don't know why you'd invite the grandchildren on something like this. You
0: need people in peril, you know.
1: Yeah. For, uh, no, for the no, the... It, it all makes sense if you go. I want to if you if you look at so when I watched it and you look at the film, you say, okay. I want this to be a horror film where the park goes wrong, science goes wrong, and you've got this sort of Frankenstein's monster thing of these dinosaurs stomping around and causing havoc and terrorizing people and eating them. Like, okay, great. And you want to get to that as quickly as possible. So the plot is very, very light in trying to build the the contrived circumstance to put these people on this island. And we can talk about some of those contrivances in a couple of scenes as we go through it. But like, so why are the grandchildren Obviously, the grandchildren are there because it makes the plot stronger. There's more interesting with the kids there. But then there's like no real reason why they're there. Um, there's no, if you look at Malcolm, there's no reason why he's actually there. I, there's I, no reason. I mean, the lawyer makes sense. Even the lawyer doesn't make that much sense because it's like, why you know no why are they going to invest in this park if they have no idea what's going on
0: wouldn't have a zoo expert there you know like someone who actually knows about real living animals there's a safari guy there's a there's veterinarians wow.
2: who,
0: <laughs> who seem to
1: be outshone by the uh, dr sadler by laura dern's character like when they've seen the triceratops like she comes and sort of takes over that whole thing like okay
0: oh yeah yeah <laughs> You paused the video here on a—it's like a backdrop of just DNA sequences, um, nucleotide sequences—with the character in front—and I'm just actually trying to look at it now and see, do they make any sense whatsoever? And I uh, wonder what, what happens if you Google them, or put them into NCBI and blast them. You know, it is just random—you know, ACGs and Ts—or are they actually something that they've taken and broken up? They do seem to be quite random, so it probably—I'd imagine—is from a real sequence. What do you
2: think? That would be fun to try out.
0: It would actually back translate the uh, the hidden DNA sequences from uh, Jurassic Park. It's probably going to be like something like E. coli or or lambda or some of like that.
1: They would. I mean, we're talking about '93, so I guess you would have got GenBank on a floppy disk, or in a printed
0: book. Oh, okay, in a printed book. Yeah, yeah I think right. yeah, they did print books. Yeah, I wonder up until what year.
2: The printed books, though, I thought were um, the protein sequences. Was was the DNA ever part of it? It's an interesting question.
0: Though. Can you, well, can you find someone well, what one of these? I'm sure there's some old guy, you know, with a, one of these books of GenBank, all of GenBank printed out.
2: Margaret Dayhoff?
1: Margaret Dayhoff,
0: yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, let's continue the video. Yeah, let's continue the
1: video. They just explained this thing that the genome is full of holes, and then they backfill it with... I love this. So they've got the geneticist looking at the genetic code using virtual reality. Uh <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's still. I don't think that's happened yet as much as people. Would I didn't like notice that. that. So
2: there's a there's a three D model, and the guy has like a VR glove. Was that? A th- yeah, he has a, a VR glove? glove. So he's. Oh. His,
1: yeah, he's got a DNA like chain in there, and he's rotating it with VR glove. And, and it looks like he gaps, has like
0: uh blast proof uh, visor on as well for working with like i don't know liquid nitrogen
1: no it's the guy from for, who was doing the extraction before
2: <laughs>
1: so he's oh, decided but now he's wearing appropriate head gear for the computer screen for the screen glare i suppose but forget wearing it when you're drilling into the amber with he has, all the he has ppe protein. for
2: the computer
1: I mean, I don't know. Computer screen radiation is pretty dangerous, right? So I don't (laughs) know. But
0: why are mathematicians doing their work in a wet lab? I have no idea. That's a good point. Well, it looks like a white boiler suit, not a white coat.
1: I have absolutely no idea. I have no idea what these big ropes around his shoulders are either. Complete. I think it's just, yeah, we need some sci-fi, shove it in (laughs) there. Okay. We'll move on. The but I think freezers the... and
0: fridges seem to be uh, seem to have clear glass in them. Yep, which is uh, unusual. Huh. Have you seen clear glass uh, fridges in labs, Lee? I don't think it'd be it, very would, it would look
1: would look really boring if they did. It the, looks the, like the... it looks like a fridge you'd use for like soda cans. You basically, yeah, got I, but but, but, but a catering really fridge. They've Usually in the lab,
2: you'll have like a like the the door is like a blast shield. You don't have glass on it. It's like it's closed off. You you can't see through it.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> But I don't know, but you, I mean, you're trying to make the shot visually appealing. So what are you going to do? And also there's nothing something?
0: precariously stacked, you know, uh, that no one knows what it actually yeah. is for the past 20 years. Everything has labels. <laughs> with, yeah, or kind of a little bit of masking tape, you know, with a handwritten, you know, illegible letters on it.
1: One thing um, that's really nice, though, in the clip with the Mr. DNA as he's explaining it is... I think they say the thing. Oh, if you read the code for X every second for whatever some period of time, it would you know take you forever to read through it. It's nice to point that out. Like the amount of genetic material, like inf- information encoded in your DNA, is huge. Uh,
0: so during the Human Genome Project, the Sanger Institute had this kind of ticker tape tracker showing all the bases that were being sequenced live in real time. And they very quickly gave that up because the sequencing technology was capillary, just kept getting better and better and better. And it was just, you know, zooming past. <laughs> <laughs> um, they do get a few of those things right in the film,
1: which is nice. And I think for a lot of people, this was like the first introduction to genetics and, and a lot of this biology. So, you know, inspired people to to think of this more. Ca- well, we'll carry on with the clip
0: we use the complete DNA of a frog to fill in the holes and complete the code. and now we can make a baby dinosaur so they're just backfilling with frog okay great is frog even in taxonomy for dinosaurs? I have no idea um, no, wouldn't how... like a, a bird be better you know like a, I don't know, a sparrow
1: Yeah, it's it's sort of odd because even in the film, it doesn't make sense because at the beginning, um, Sam Neill's character really stresses the fact that dinosaurs are more closely related to bird, which I think was like a kind of like a new idea that had come out. And, you know, people were still on the fence about it. Uh, And so I think when he's describing the Velociraptor, oh, look at the morphology of the skeleton, it shows that it's more like a bird than the kid. Says something like, "Oh, it's just a six-foot turkey." Um, I don't know if this child or anybody has looked at large birds like a cassowary from Australia, and I don't think you would call that thing a turkey. You would, <laughs> you would be pretty frightened if that thing came up behind you. Uh, just if you're listening at home, Google a picture of a cassowary, Australian cassowary, and just look at that and go, "Like, oh yeah, I can." You can see the family resemblance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's
1: got the it's the eyes that just do it for me
2: oh yeah i've never it's seen, seen them before yeah
1: yeah i mean i don't think and they're huge these these creatures so you know but uh at the time it was this thing of birds being birds modern birds being more closely related to dinosaurs versus uh other other species and um so they make that point in the beginning of the film and yet in here they're spicing it back with frog DNA for some reason. Obviously that makes sense for the flaw of why they change sex yeah. later which we might see in a bit.
2: Yeah, actually I ah. mean I might I might be getting ahead of ourselves but like these are scientists who seem to know what they're doing because they can grow ancient beasts and they don't seem to know that frogs can change their genders. They said that's a fail safe and I just... Find that is a huge intellectual flaw. Like it's it, it was it's, meant no, to be. It, I mean, there's so
1: much of it that's contrived because it, it's like you have to you're trying to do something fairly hard sci-fi. And there's not, you know, you have to bend, you know, the truth a bit for the story to work. Otherwise, the thing won't this won't happen. This this actually can't happen. Uh what but what, what, what happens in the film. It can't I can't none of it can happen. Yeah. Not only the thing like you can't get you can't get the DNA from the amber. You probably couldn't splice the genomes of a frog and the dinosaur and make it viable. You couldn't implant the embryo into the they implant into ostrich eggs. I think that's what they show. I think they say they voice over and say, "Oh, we installed an ostrich eggs when they're doing the tour." That's you know that probably wouldn't work. The geneticist wouldn't be so stupid. Uh, no one would have Dennis Nedry as the primary like developer for this thing and you wouldn't just like have any sort of failsafe. Like it doesn't make any sense. But if you but then there's no movie. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a good movie. So it's like, okay, fine, I'm gonna suspend my disbelief because I want this movie to happen.
0: Well, just something to mention there a second ago, I think, uh, was that they had gene sequencers, not genome sequencers. So were they doing it gene by gene? Yeah. They would have
1: uh, yeah, I think they would have probably Sanger sequencing back cloning of the genes and then walking yeah. along and then when they can't walk anymore they would have put in the frog stuff i guess that's the process
2: yeah i mean back back then i think before 1995 or 7 like there wasn't even the concept of people doing shotgun sequencing it was it was walking
1: yeah yeah so yeah i mean but that could have been done so John Hammond is complaining about the background track for some reason, but now we cross to this very. This does happen, I guess. If you go to a zoo, like they do have these stupid exhibits, and then you can peek in and see the people actually working on stuff. But yeah, I'd hate to be scientists there. I love the the lawyer who's starts the film being really antagonistic and then
0: so, minute stuff it there, they, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh he asks are these uh characters autoerotic yeah
1: autoerotic yeah,
0: yeah that was uh, weird i think it's a flub i think he means animatronic
2: yeah that would make more sense autoerotic
1: is a different thing that's that's a michael hutchins thing isn't it
0: i uh, you see i i i heard the word uh, i heard him say it and it's like did he say that? And then I just saw the uh, subtitles there. and uh, Yeah, he absolutely did. No, he
1: absolutely says autoerotic. He says, are the, ca- are the people autoerotic?
0: It's like, what? Now we got to look it up on the Urban Dictionary to see actually what it is.
2: <laughs> okay, on Reddit, on on the Jurassic Park subreddit, someone says, why did he say autoerotica? I've watched this movie, blah, blah, blah. And then people answered, yeah. um, it was meant to express his lack of knowledge and terminology. Another person said, I have always left that line to mean that Gennaro is woefully ill-informed and attempts to sound smart, but uses the wrong word. Okay,
0: right, because the real meaning of it is um, probably not safe uh, for work.
2: This is overwhelming, John.
0: <laughs> are, are these characters uh, auto-erotica? No, 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 we have no animatronic theater.
1: Okay, well, deliberate factual error by the filmmakers. How do you interrupt the cellular mitosis? I have no idea what that means. Sham Neil's characters. Maybe a proper biologist can explain it, but I'm like, what are they <laughs> even trying to refer to at that point? Yeah. Yeah. Now at this point, the the tour sort of derails and everyone just breaks out and decides we're gonna
0: tromp through the lab. It takes Obviously, three of them.
2: takes three of them to push that bar up and then the old guy just gets up right away. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Superhuman strength, I think. A reminder, the boat for the mainland will be leaving at 1,900 hours. All personnel be asked to
1: dock no later than
2: 1845. There is
1: no new Oh, good day, sir. So if we looking at the lab, so on the screen that they're looking at, uh, it pans, so as they get off the ride and they, they switch the lab, there's a shot where they pan over it. And if you screen, it's there for a second. But they've got this, uh, I don't know what OS that reminds you of. It looks like Windows 3.1 kind of thing. I don't know if there's...
0: It looks more like a really old Apple um, interface. Okay, That's
2: actually a point I want to make. I keep seeing Apple's like like OS 9 through the whole movie. And then okay. later on, I know you're going to make this point, but like, she says it's a Unix system.
1: <laughs> no, but it is a Unix. <laughs> oh, The, <okay>. the <laughs> sysadmin
0: stuff okay. is a Unix system.
1: No. Oh, yeah. The UI is like Apple, but it, yeah, that doesn't make
0: sense. <laughs> can you see the uh, the logo on the very bottom of the screen? You know, can you work out from that uh, what it actually is? Ah. Oh. I have no idea. I think they've just put a
1: random something on it.
2: Can't tell. No that's really nice from the
1: that. from the from the from from the props that they've actually put some sort of weird logo on the screen.
0: Yeah there is definitely bases on the screen you know you can see acgt if you really you know scrunch up your eyes. So you've got a 3d
1: model the computer model of the dna structure on the left on the right on the right side and then you've got uh the sequence on the left i mean that's great.
2: That's, that's a protein structure
1: isn't it? Is it? I can't actually see the base. So get, the you shot. got
2: like the ribbons and the barrel structures?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the picture. Yeah. Yeah. It's a protein structure.
2: And it's DNA on the left side.
1: Okay. I mean, it's there for a second. Nice visual thing. A couple of seconds and then we pan over it. And now everyone's wandering into the lab without any, any kit. I mean, I guess this seems this is because, because they have the eggs. So this is like the hatchery. So I guess that's okay.
0: Yeah, but then why are they all wearing gloves and full boiler suits and everything? You know, it's as if they want to be um, clean, but then at the same time, people wander around in their shorts.
1: And why is someone doing the protein sequence stuff in this room if this is worth I, I don't know,
2: like oh you've got to yeah.
0: fill the set with
1: something, so here, whatever.
2: Yeah, with ancient uh, DNA, you, you have to have a totally clean room.
1: Yeah, but then you wouldn't have the eggs here. Yeah, because we're looking at these o- ostrich, presumably ostrich and, eggs, implanted with the uh,
0: Also, do you notice how short the robotic arm is? It can only reach like the first one or two eggs. Oh, and, I never uh, noticed. Oh, it's a mit- <laughs> mis- Mitsubishi uh, arm as well. You can see the uh, barcode on it, but <laughs> it can't reach the rest of them. You know, so it can only turn one or two.
2: Yeah. So Hammond's imp- or the dinosaur's imprinting on Hammond now. <laughs>
1: The animatronics of it still holds up for me. It's a bit cartoony, but it's like, I don't know, it's, it's okay. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, you know, if they'd done it with all what they do, these old CGI stuff, it would look terrible.
0: Well, I guess they did a lot of CGI in this. It was one of the first big uh, movies for CGI.
1: It still holds up when they do the dinosaur scenes. It's sort of, yeah.
0: you know, when you see the Brachiosaurus or whatever, you're like, no. Mm-hmm. so no one not tries breeding because they're all female
2: frogs It kills me i mean yeah. yeah okay i
0: mean that would
1: work but this is the problem like i did they explain that with the frog dna and that amphibians can switch i think they actually say that later they make a point of that and i think that's the reason why it's frog dna Versus birds, because that's at odds with the with the with the plot with the movie's own logic. It's sort of at odds with that. Why are you using frog frog uh, DNA?
0: Yeah. So one thing about that lab is it's not organized in a very sensible fashion. It kind of benches are randomly at random angles within it, within it, and it's a very clean. One there's no stuff you know in every space possible.
1: So we'll cut cut back to to Malcolm's line because he then
0: on the kind of control you're attempting is uh, it's not possible listen if there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us it's that life will not be contained life breaks free it expands to new territories and it crashes through barriers painfully maybe even dangerously but uh oh there it is life
1: life will not be contained he doesn't say yeah. does he say life like you know at some point he says life finds a way but he says this throughout the film he keeps trying to make this point like yes, but no. I mean, I think he's a bit too alarmist in his position. But we'll talk when we see the lunch scene, it's like sort of more, more obvious.
0: He's more like a philosopher than a mathematician, really.
1: He, I mean, he's called a rock star. I think he might be more of a these days like a science communicator. He probably just writes a bunch of books or something.
0: <laughs> I he would have a podcast.
1: He would have a podcast, like yeah.
2: Yeah. The mathematicians definitely. that I've met are pretty philosophical too, though.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, Do they look as cool? <laughs> With the
2: without Leather their jackets, shirt on. You know. I don't know. <laughs> All of my friends who are mathematicians are good looking, yes. Oh wow. Okay.
1: Well that well, I guess we can say that's realistic, right?
0: <laughs> I'm disappointed they didn't use any dinosaur No,
1: but C Bass apparently, according earlier on. He said, Oh, we're having sea Bass for lunch.
2: Yeah, he keeps saying he spared no expense. He spends. Yeah, he keeps saying it. I spend no
1: expense, but I, then I cheap out on the IT part, which is like, yeah,
2: okay. <laughs> yeah. But so I don't have so now mind. the
1: lawyer is like really pro this. He's seeing the dollar signs in his eyes of what all the money he's going this is going to make, and then the scientists are like, this is a horrible idea. But I don't think the arguments make a lot of sense. So you know, he says you you're using. I think he says you're using. Uh, genetics, which is the most powerful force on the planet, kind of—that's what, what what Malcolm is saying—and you wield it like a kid who's found his father's gun. Um, we've been, I think, to, I mean, not me, or not us, probably, but our lab-based colleagues have been wielding this godlike power for like decades without any real that, that issue. You know, fundamental thing of molecular biology—it's like, yeah, all of this stuff is like. People are cloning things all the time, and bad things don't happen. Um, yeah, I mean,
0: because obviously, people do silly things, you know, and clone pets and uh, things like that instead of actually doing any harm. It seems.
1: But yeah, but I mean, the techniques here aren't particularly dangerous. Obviously, trying to do it yeah. for dinosaurs is uh, the other. The issues is the, the you know making this dinosaur thing, but the black, the science isn't isn't particularly unique or or dangerous or abnormal
0: um, um, I wonder if, if, we, if we were to do it how, how would you go about cloning dinosaurs would you start with say a bird and then try and <clears throat> kind of mutate it backwards towards you know the most recent common ancestor? so you take a group of birds or a group of animals and then try and get up the phylogenetic tree by trying to infer what is there and uh, make some changes
2: I don't know if I'd be able to do it Frankly Even aside, like thinking so. about it, like on the operon level, like if I'm missing a gene, do I include a gene of the most recent ancestor, or or the, or the most, or the closest sure. ancestor, or what? Like I, I, don't, I would, I would definitely fail at this.
0: Well, I guess like, people are doing with mice, you know, humanized mice, putting human variants into mice to then test. Yeah, but you're not
1: going to turn that mouse into a person.
0: <laughs> even if you keep like you can you can make
1: one um you can do one mutant one gene one two i think at a certain point just trying to cross in that many genes is just not going to work the genome the, bar- the biology of the organism is going to just push back on you and say no i don't want to do this yeah um
2: there would be so many to change because like if you think about like what's even closest to us on the phylogeny like it's a one percent genome change like are you gonna be able to fill in the gaps of one percent of the genome
1: well can you do it can you do it like reasonably with microbes just just like anything you know i mean it's just uh yeah. huge to to do that so that that's mind-boggling so the film is asking us to suspend a lot of uh disbelief to say that this is even remotely possible
2: and that they and can then- do this like there were a, a bunch of experiments, like with Craig Venter Ventner. Um,
1: yeah, Ventner did. Yeah.
2: And I think af- after he like published like a, a totally in silico uh, or, or a, 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 a totally lab Is that yeah, the one? Yeah, it was a synthetic virus. I yeah. think that the journals banned it afterwards, but I can't remember the, what the fine print is.
0: But what did the virus do? Because you know, most things out there don't go and kill you.
2: I remember when he when he made a synthetic bacterium, like it had like his initials in it. So <laughs> I guess it carried his name and that was his function. <laughs> I don't know,
1: but his, I think Malcolm's position is pretty alarmist though, saying that, oh, you can do all this thing. I mean, sure.
2: Yeah. I love how they all start ganging up on, on Hammond on this and he's, un, he doesn't expect it.
1: <laughs> yeah. He gets really worried. <laughs> There's cost projections in the back and the attendance on the screens behind them, which is interesting, because no one's paying attention. The danger inherent in what you're doing here. Genetic powers, the most awesome fossil power service seat. Okay, sure.
0: If I may, um, I'll tell you the problem with the scientific power that you're, that you're using here. Uh, it didn't require any discipline to attain it. You know, you read what others had done and you, and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any responsibility for it.
1: You stood on the shoulders of geniuses
0: uh, to accomplish something as fast as you could. And before you even knew what you had, you you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox. And now you're selling it. you want to sell it. Of course I should.
1: Didn't require any discipline to attain it you read others what had done, and you took the next step. That is literally science. That is literally any innovation yeah. is to take what other people have done and, like, do it, and you take, but you do take responsibility for it. They um, mentioned
0: there um, about bringing extinct species back, like condors and stuff like that. That that seems reasonable, you know, like we've got things like blue rhinos or whatever and dodos, and, you know, should we bring those back? Maybe a step that's easier.
1: Yeah, I mean, they make that point. Um, I think here is the thing, the crux of it, is that you've taken the science and you've now commercialized it. And that is like, yeah, okay, that's probably too far. But then, yeah, and that's where where Hammond retorts saying back, like, our scientists have done things nobody's ever done. It's such a good line, whether they could, they've been so preoccupied whether they could and they don't think of whether they should. And then Hammond retorts saying, well, condors are going to extinction. And then, you know, you wouldn't have a problem with that. And then I think it is a good point. I think saying like natural select like the like dinosaurs were selected against because of a meteor is a bit of much. I mean, that's not very fair. I don't think I can ever evolve to the capacity (laughs) that I could avoid a meteor hitting the earth. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. That was that was a funny line to me to us but yeah but i
1: mean there is something a seed in the in the logic but it's like yeah okay whatever
2: and this was funny to me too the guy whispers to him that his
1: his kids
2: just his kids just arrived he's just been alarmed by all the scientists and his kids just arrived on this island and he should be alarmed and now he's excited that the kids are there probably going to be in danger
1: yeah the kids this is the best (laughs) point. the point that for me actually makes the most sense is that uh, this uh, Laura Jones character, Dr. is pointing out, not only have they done dinosaurs, it seems, they've put in plants from somewhere. They've put in, like, they've made a fake ecosystem yeah. of plants. Um, I guess it's not, I don't think they're, like, ancient plants, they're from elsewhere, but it's like, yeah, you've made this fake, fake ecosystem and she says, like, one of them is poisonous and you picked it because it looks pretty. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that is that is a thing, like, yeah, there is
0: a, a... It's interesting because not only, yeah, obviously you got the plants which are not native to the dinosaurs or whatever, you have all the microbes that those dinosaurs should have had, all those bacteria, you know, um, in their gut and then all over them, helping them, and they aren't present because they've gone off and evolved for millions and millions of years. So I wonder how that would impact the poor dinosaurs, you know? Do they all have digestive problems? Well, they the, all and the dinosaurs all the probably,
1: the dinosaurs would probably not have any reasonable defense against modern pathogens. We see that sick triceratops later, and it's like, I don't think we ever find out what's wrong with it. It's just sort of sick. And we look at oh, the, I poop, thought but it has it hadn't thought eaten that they, the poisonous
2: plant. I thought that they they found out like it, it might have, but yeah, they never fully resolved it. Like it, it was probably the poisonous plant, but they didn't resolve that.
1: No, she said she looks in the poop and says it's not the poisonous plant. So if we take her thing, because she's the genius, if you know, she's okay. the main character. So if you take her thing as gospel, then, okay, it's not the plant. So what? what is it? I mean, we're never actually told this is sort of left. We forget about this because the T-Rex shows up and people start dying. <laughs> <It's> like whatever. <laughs> I think in the book, they make some, ex- this scene happens in the book and they explain, they have some rationale as to why this happens. Um, something I think it's some I can't remember. It's something to do with they don't have the teeth to chew the plants properly. The they they oh. can't chew the plants properly. So she's like sick. She can't. She's like Malnora. She can't like eat the plants.
0: So all the dinosaurs are kind of full size dinosaurs more or less, um, with probably decades of growth. And how did they magically become full size adults uh, overnight? because the park is only gone for five years uh, or they only decided to do it five years pr- prior. Uh, so what happened?
1: Well, the park is five years, but they seem to be shipping, and we know this from the second film, but they seem to be shipping the, they, the dinosaurs from somewhere else. And we know in the second film, because they go there, it's like the other island, uh, uh, what's it, is a sauna or something. Um, and I think they clarify that later that this has been going on longer. So right. the park is five years, but the but the dinosaurs have been incubated and grown somewhere else for longer. But that's not explained in the film. So if all you're looking at, the film this makes no sense.
0: And no one noticed the Brontosaurus uh for you know the 20 years prior. Uh, the, the they have the flying
1: ones. It's like what no, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know <laughs> I think I don't know. I think they retcon this with this subsequent films trying to plot like plug all these holes and and whatever. I mean. Whatever, yeah. T Rex, T Rex is there? Come
2: on. <laughs> for The flying dinosaur. Fl- the pterosaurs are not dinosaurs, actually. That's a different part of taxonomy. Uh-huh. So I wonder if that's ever addressed. I don't remember the other films.
1: I I don't remember. I only saw the first two and half of the third one, and they I switched
2: off. I can't remember. <laughs> Have you not seen all um, the modern
0: ones? They're very good. Even
2: less science in them. I don't know if I can stand Chris Pratt being involved in all those. <laughs> Oh, maybe later. I think less
1: science, <laughs> the better. I mean, the science here is fairly, you know, fairly thin anyway. But let's yeah. press on. So now we have Sam Neil makes his point. Um, man and dinosaur haven't ever coexisted. The 65 million years between them, we have no idea what's going to happen. I, okay, sure. I mean, yeah. I think the dinosaurs are in a more peril than we are, I think we'd be okay.
0: Because, kind <laughs> like World Worlds, where the uh, the invaders, you know, are susceptible to all the bacteria. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, the thing, I mean, we don't, are we really affected by evolution? We can change our environment. We can do whatever we want. How much of it, how much of that really applies here? Should we talk about the computer stuff? Yes. Let's talk about the computer stuff.
0: now. Uh, I, I'll i give it to you now. So cl- everyone click that link.
1: What? The door security systems are shutting down. This is in the computer lab. It's amazing that he's got, he's performing all the lines and he's just got the cigarette in his mouth. And it's, I can, just, if you've ever tried to do that, it's a bit <laughs> tricky. Yeah.
0: But like, he's wearing a white coat doing his uh, computer uh, programming. As you all do, you know?
1: Yeah. Fair enough.
0: But the yeah, old cigarette is... thing, that, that is so like uh, the offices were like when I did an internship, you know, 30 years ago, people were, you know, smoking away, you know, while they're typing away in a computer.
1: So, okay, so Muldoon and Sat go off to look for the kids or net, go looking for the kids. So we can actually see the code that Dennis wrote, set, command, set comment, request D task. what changes would you make or set error status? If error equals zero, evaluate some ridiculous uh, regex.
0: Well, I Ad mean, four we contains it, the branch.
1: Just... Oh, group four contains the branch. If comment, check out comment project active. Request a comment before. Oh, it's just for the code, it's just for the, um, it's just SV, it's, it's for the code versioning. Eh?
0: Um, <laughs> and it's like, it's got numbers, uh, what is it, numbers followed by one or more number then. You've got a to z, so followed by a letter, followed by
1: what? Oh, I know. It's just um, yeah. It's like a commit code with the branch at the end, and then it's basically it's real code. It's just yeah, it's like yeah, it's realish code. It's basically request. It just does what the comment above it says. Request a comment before we check the file out. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what it does. It just says make sure you've commented your your commits. Uh, it is still possible that the checkout will fail because the latest type there, the lastest should be latest uh, revision on the trunk is already checked that's out real, and modification yeah. by someone else. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I mean, that's a legitimate yeah. thing you'd want to check.
2: <laughs> and, and this screen that we're looking at, before we were looking at Mac OS 9 with, in the lab, do you think that this is more Unix-like?
1: This is the, it's, it's a Unix system. Like this is literally the computer that uh, the, the child goes to later and says this is a Unix system. So you don't think it actually, your OS is not Unix at all. It's a Mac looking thing to you, right?
0: In the introduction to Cyber, the another podcast I listened to from Vice, they, um, they used that line.
2: It's a Unix system. I know this.
0: And I, I'd heard it so many times because I listen to that podcast all the time, but I never knew where it came from. And it's only re-watching Jurassic Park. is like, ah, that's where it's from. <laughs> Yeah,
1: I mean, it's a great UI that, I, I mean, it's not clear to me how much Dennis wrote. So it's like Dennis wrote 2 million lines of code. It's like, okay. <laughs> but then really? they would have had, uh, you know, they would have had other bits, like, like Samuel L. Jackson's characters, like, you know, there are other parts to this. So what, what, I mean, we can, I guess I, I can say, like, how do they fix the problem, right? So Dennis Nedry injects this horrible program that mucks up all the security systems, mm-hmm. yeah, that he runs. Mm-hmm. So the solution from Samuel and Jackson is like, we need to basically do a code reversion back to a version that Dennis hasn't touched, sort of like a factory reset, and then jumpstart all of the systems for the park again. That's the solution. Oh, so
0: this is actually the correct code for the correct thing in the script. I guess, so. I
1: don't think they do that at this point. They come back to it later. That's how, but that's how, like, the, the I think his name's Arnold, um, Samuel L. Jackson character, like, fixes it. But the thing is, is that implies that the bulk of the code base was not written by Dennis Envy, by Wayne Knight's character, right? Because what mm-hmm. would you revert back to?
2: So it means that
1: most of it was written by other people and maybe Dennis just wrote the security system stuff. I mean, if he wrote it on his own because it's implied he just did it himself. um, What are they reverting back to?
2: I I think it's also implied that that Dennis got corrupted like recently. So like maybe he had legit code before.
1: His motivations are interesting. So in the book, the book is fundamentally different with the motivations because it points uh, John Hammond, the park uh, developer, as like a bad guy who's only in it for profit, and mm-hmm. and not in, and he's not this whimsical Richard Attenborough character. It's like oh, I didn't realize how bad this could be. Um, he's like deliberately like looking for profit, and so he stiffs Nedry on on the money. As you would, as as people do for IT projects, yeah. the IT project like blows out of proportion, I, and um, I don't think the Den, the Nedry character in the book like knows exactly what's going on, um, and gets you know so and doesn't get paid properly, and so that sort of encourages him to take to to do the theft of the embryos and whatever. Uh, but in this, it's like Dennis is implied that he is been paid well and been played appropriately, but he somehow squandered the money given and he's just been greedy and wants more. And then John Hammond's character, like which like, you know the John Hammond character says, No, I don't want, I'm not going to pay you more money. If you've lost your money, that's your problem. We don't know how he's lost his money. And that turns him to taking it's like I think it's like a million dollars or something. It works out to 1.5 million, like, oh, 700. I think the guy, the the, the, the uh, competitor says, oh, we'll pay you half the money up front, 700,000, and then some amount per MBO that you bring back for a total of 1.5 million. So Dennis mm-hmm. is given this big sack of money at the beginning as a down payment to do this uh, theft. But it doesn't really make sense why he's doing it in this case like it's, it's i mean yeah. presumably he's got debts and he's pushed into it but he doesn't seem that he just seems like greedy he's just doing it I agree. and and it, this sort of runs at odds at Malcolm's point which is like life finds a way he's like no life didn't find a way like if if the Dennis Nedry character hadn't sabotaged the park nothing would have happened everything would have been fine so life evolution or life or whatever. It's not like life run amok. mock. It's like a human actor has abused the system. So I don't know. <laughs> like, but whatever. It's a film and there's a T Rex that eats people. So you know, whatever. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just go back to that. But and but and I love the big execute button, which we click here. Execute.
0: Oh, it's Macintosh. It says Macintosh HD. It does say that. It does, yeah, yeah. Oh, Sys, it's, Sys Sys items. Items.
1: it's got a trash, by all the old OSX trash icon and everything. So
2: they're That's running a really Mac. Old. So it's
1: not a Unix system. It's not well, a Unix no, system. It is I mean, a Unix it's, system. OK, it is a Unix
2: like system. Yeah. 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 Okay. But my, so next? OS 9 was not based on Unix, was
0: it? Better check that out, Lee.
2: Oh, no, you're right. It's modern versions
0: are based on Unix. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, that's a revelation. Go. It's not a Unix system.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is just like based on whatever Steve, Steve Wozniak made and
1: everything. Well, there we go. Yeah. So background desktop wallpaper is definitely not safe for work.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he puts it in the mouse.
1: So he's got a one minute timer to, so everyone is on the tour at the same time. So this is how the plot, the story really kicks off because it's coordinated with this. So he says at the beginning, like the Dennis character says he needs 15 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes to do this theft. So um, this probably would have worked out fine. So what is his plan? He's like going to shut down the security system for 15 to 20 minutes, uh, take the embryos, drive to the dock, drop them off and come back. Uh, the storm that happens because this whole thing is happening while there's a big tropical storm happening was not expected Um,
0: actually that did happen in real life that there was a tropical storm and so a lot of the scenes they recorded of the storm are from a real hurricane
1: well that's why it looks so realistic so now the samuel jackson character again smoking realizes that the locks have been like everything's unlocked Dennis is saying that he's doing some sort of weird rebooting of systems so that things will turn on and off. Don't worry about it.
0: Turning everything off as well, which is a bit silly, really.
1: I don't see any reason why you'd need to do that, but whatever.
0: Oh, one thing,
1: it's sort of covered in the lab scene, but we didn't hear it, um, is why is there no one else on the park?
2: I thought that they were evacuating with a storm, like no, they kept talking about.
1: No, they—they they, you hear it in the when they go into the lab they are told and it's before that sort of signal from before um, that everyone has actually got scheduled sort of shore leave for that weekend. And so they're Uh, all going to the dock prior and then they find out that the tropical storm is coming later. So it just is a coincidence that the storm happened at the same time, but basically everyone was going to go on shore leave for that weekend. Um, Interesting. And that's why there's nobody there. Uh, There's the the point of the park is that it's all so automated that you actually don't really need, you know, you can control the whole park from that little room for three days. So it's like, yeah, whatever. This is apparently a thing that happens. So it's like, yeah, okay, fine. Everyone goes home for a couple of days. I don't know why you'd have only like what, four, five employees for the entire park, even if that was the case. For this
0: massive operation, it costs millions. I know. But
2: I, yeah, it's not. Yeah. They
0: don't
1: evacuate. It's because of the they. They are. It's scheduled surely for the rest of the staff.
2: Incredible. Cool. Mm.
1: It's it's like a couple of ADR, like couple of voiceover lines that that do it. And I only caught it because I was listening, watching this back. Otherwise, you just have no idea. But yeah, so everyone's away, and uh, this this uh, Nedry's thing was going to happen. He probably would have gotten away with it because it's like fifteen minutes. Drop the stuff up the dock. Come back. Say yeah, yeah. I got lost on my way to the vending machines, and everyone's like, "Well, the systems are on and off. Oh, I'll fix it. I'll press a button and it's back." You know, classic sysadmin kind of thing to do. <laughs> Get a coffee. Keep keep going. Um,
0: oh, and that's a Mac again. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You can see the. Oh, and you can see the Mac
0: logo on you the on
1: see. the box. Oh yeah, there's a Mac on the on the box on the tower. And uh, you can see they've got very nice uh, weather forecasting with the tropical storm information on the other screen. Great. I mean, it's a lot of GUI. I don't know if anyone will bother with that much GUI. I don't think even now I'd bother with that much GUI. <laughs> yeah. So some reason the embryos are in this, I mean, it looks fantastic, this sort of-
0: It looks like a liquid bio. nitrogen.
1: He would be but feeling no very- But no gloves on. Yeah, no gloves. And it would be very, very cold.
0: And he's um, just picking them up by hand. Like, yep. Those are frozen to a two, minus 230 degrees, whatever.
1: Be minus 80s, right? This is the minus 80. That would be fine. If, if yeah, it's, it's liquid well, nitrogen is. it's like liquid it's,
2: Yeah. So so the big freezers that we have in the lab are like minus 80, but then <clears throat> liquid nitrogen would be like at minus 2. If it's 230, then yeah, that sounds about right. It's like very cold. You don't yeah. touch that with your hands.
1: Okay, wouldn't it be? What well, couldn't it just be like a dry ice this to explain this? Sm- I mean, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's probably dry ice. Cool. a bit. That's what minus eighty kind of temperature.
2: I don't. I don't feel like this is a realistic like holding device, but it's a cool one. The cylinder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've it's never cool. seen this like in the lab or anything, and it wouldn't. <laughs> you'd want to like maximize how many test tubes you can hold in there and everything.
0: Well, that's quality, not quantity, you know? You just need a few.
2: Yeah. And it's, and it's not like, it's like labeled on the test tube cool, and then it has like Velociraptor. It's not even like, you know, it's not a scientific name. It's not like... That whole
1: name, it would be the sample ID or whatever. I was like, yeah, whatever, fine.
2: Yeah, like clone name is not on here or anything like that. It's just Velociraptor. But maybe 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 VR one on there is is the sample name I don't know.
1: It's fine. We have we it's for the audience, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I have one more Actually, comment yeah. on the refrigerator scene.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, my wife and I had this debate because she is a microbiologist and Dennis has the barbasol can, and there's a refrigeration unit in it, and he's putting all the tubes in it, right? How long do you think that refrigeration can last? Like, even if it's at minus 80 and not minus 230, like, is that a realistic device?
1: So, in the film, the guy who gives it to him at the beginning says this lasts for 36 hours.
2: Yeah. So, so I the, feel yeah. like, I feel like this so is the film where we have, to, we have to suspend our, our, like realistic expectations and just believe them. I think here. Like, how can I mean, you I guess if you, if
0: you want to keep it frozen and it just has to be below zero, maybe that might be enough.
2: All right, well, that's my only comment there. I'm, I'm willing to just suspend my knowledge here and just like allow this little can to to keep it Realistically, cool that long.
1: The can only has to last 20 minutes, right? Because it's got to go with Dennis to the dock and onto the boat. And you could say that boat, people on the boat have proper storage on the ship. So, you know, maybe you can get away with it. I mean, of all the nitpicks, I mean, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, oh, yeah, yeah it's a nitpick. Really Mo- we sense. can move on.
2: <laughs> we're on the desk
1: so you've got for some well obviously for this it's, it's a nice illusion. you've got robert oppenheimer on the a picture of him on on nedry's computer oh. to the side that's the chap on the left um and it's a jolt cola on top jolt cola on top there's a bottle of jolt
2: oh great wow
1: wow <laughs> so Nedry hasn't turned off. So it's not all the systems are off, or all the security. Are. So the doors are opening, but not everything. So they're sort of wondering why that is, because the Raptor enclosure... are typing in the command apart. line. Yep, typing in the command line. So, for, I mean, you've got all this GUI stuff, and then all of a sudden you've just got this text thing saying, like, locked. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. sure. So the Raptors are still enclosed. I think that's just for the pacing of the story, because you don't want the Raptors out yet.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah.
1: It's it's you've watched like now as an adult watching the film, there's so much of it that's just sort of trying to just put the plot in the right place so that with just these one lines to kind of like anchor it properly.
0: I guess that is a difficulty with uh, translating from a book into a movie.
1: Yeah, I think so, because I think in the book, there's more explanation of everything and it sort of makes a bit more sense. And here you're just like, nope, we got to keep going. It's just fine. It works really well. So, Robert, I'm, yeah. Access security. access security grid. I mean, okay. Access main security grid. I mean, he doesn't know the command to, to get it's access. It's like to those, uh,
0: those old text-based programs where you have to explicitly type the, you know, the, the phrase of what you want to do. Otherwise, it'll just bum out.
2: Yeah.
1: Go east. <laughs> Pick up. <laughs> Pick up childhood. <laughs>
2: Oh, I missed
1: those. Yeah, and now you get the classic "ah, ah, ah." You didn't say the magic word, which is <laughs> which is Wayne Knight's face on an Elvis cartoon shaking his finger. Um, <laughs> it's, it's classic. Uh, it's sort of it. <sighs> I mean, from if he's just written a part of the system, we're assuming like there are other analysts and other developers on this. It doesn't make sense that this would be like a problem, especially if you've got this version control code. You just go, oh yeah, screw it. I'll just roll it back. It'll take you like five minutes, right? Like that's the solution he comes. Like Samuel Jackson comes up with like ages later that that's how we're going to
0: solve this. But whatever. So. I've just put up the next clip here. I uh, I don't know if you can see it. It's uh, yep. the Unix system. Yep. We got a reboot so, the system. So they've skipped ahead.
1: Yeah. And they <laughs> can, can can operate doors. I mean, yep. So we get a glimpse of it. So the thing that she that, that she uses to navigate the file system is like a thing. It's a prototype thing. It's not like a production thing that anyone really used ever. Right. It's a Unix system, and I know this. So you can get emulations of this. Like, you can, can it? get it for yourself. But the floor of it is the thing that you see in the film. It takes freaking forever to just navigate the file system. Yeah. I <laughs> mean.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's how we do uh, Unix navigation, you know? We wait for it to move around in the graph.
1: I mean, the nice thing is is the, the directory is slash user, slash USR, so that's nice. <laughs> so slash user, Realistic. slash park, slash, you know, um, zoology, slash something. That's where she's the part so far. And she's found
0: yeah. visitor, visitor
1: center. center, and then somehow you just reboot that part of it, the file, I, I don't know. And then you're back. Yeah, and you're back to the Mac OS uh, interface that's showing you all the doors are locked.
0: Yay. So yeah, we
2: got control. Everything works. Everything, everything works. Can I do one tangent? Yeah. On this next part, this is from another podcast I listened to. I'm going to get to this part where Goldbloom is, is lying down over here. Let me see if I can get this picture of him. So while Goldblum is lying down, on the table there's actually a tattoo that he has right and the actor doesn't have a tattoo in your life and there's no tattoo mentioned in the book and I listened to this whole podcast about how they investigated how he got the tattoo they basically came to the conclusion that Jeff Goldblum went rogue and had a tattoo for some of the filming and no one caught it and so now it's just like it's just canon that he has a tattoo
0: okay brilliant so now
1: they have to do that for any subsequent things for continuity right yeah yeah okay fair enough
2: so we went we went through a bunch of reactions that we had there were so many more that we didn't even get a chance to get to but we wanted to spare you all on the length of this thing we think this is a fantastic movie we enjoy it a lot what do you all think tweet at us email us whatever um, let us know. We had a fun time watching us.
0: It's awesome. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much for listening to the microbinfe podcast. What do you think about our experiment? Tweet at us or tweet at us, and be sure to leave a good rating for us, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.